So what is it that you do? What is your job or, or what you do at the funeral home at Bunkers? My, my personal yeah. responsibilities. Yeah. So um, our, we, we have four, lo four different locations. Mm -hmm. And so we have three locations in Mesa and one in Gilbert. And uh, I, I think I, I wear a number of hats um, in helping make sure everything runs smoothly on a high level, but also it's extremely important to our family that we maintain that family local feel. And so, whereas I won't have the opportunity to take an individual family always from the beginning through the entire process and long after, I try to make sure that uh, between one member of our family at least is involved in, it, in, in that, every aspect of, of the services for that family. So uh, there's, there's a, a, a side of my responsibilities that deal high level with our operations and then there's also a side that deals with making sure we build those relationships with the family. Yeah, and, and so Bunkers, it, it sounds like um, you guys have built a team like a, almost a family team that helps to help people as they come in um, in the grieving process. And we have, uh, in addition to our our blood relatives, mm -hmm. um, our staff, they're, they're every bit as much family to us in a lot of ways. And, and we have the most incredible, uh, empathetic, uh, compassionate staff that, that I, and we're involved in, in several local and national organizations and things, and I really think that we've got such a wonderful staff and a, a group of people that come from a variety of backgrounds, from uh, you know different cultures and, and everything, but we all speak the same common language of compassion, and we come together and make, I think, a pretty, a pretty special team to give people the quality of service that they deserve. Yeah. So walk us through the process a little bit. Someone's passed away. Um, mom or dad, sure. you know, because we're calling this caring for mom and dad, but really yeah. anyway, well, one, anybody. One of the, the most common questions that people have when, when they call and, and mom or dad or somebody that they love is getting close to passing is just, what do we do? Yeah, you yeah. Know, what, yeah. What's that first step when when we realize that, that mom or dad may have passed away? Yeah. Uh, very fair question. It's yeah. important to know what, yeah. what to do. And so uh, d depending on a couple of, of different scenarios, Will, will dictate that, that answer. So um, if, if mom or dad is under hospice care, then your first phone call will likely be to hospice. Hospice will then either come on, on site, most likely they'll come on site and they'll, they'll visit with their family and, and then they will communicate directly with us. I always encourage the family to allow hospice to contact us. Okay. And the reason for that is, is twofold because there's some information that we'll need from hospice. Mm -hmm. And when a family's just lost somebody that they love, we don't want them tied up on the phone answering a number of questions. We want them to be able to be there as a family and enjoy those, those special moments together. Um, and, and so we, we encourage hospice to call us for that reason, but also so our information and their information matches up. Okay. Um, that's important as we go through, through different records and documents like the death certificate oh, or yeah. permitting that all of our information matches up together. So that's scenario one. If mom or dad is not under hospice care, then you need to contact the, the police department. Okay. They would send somebody out on site and then they would take it from there. Okay. Does the police department contact you? The police department sometimes contacts us. Okay. They'll contact the medical examiner and make sure okay. that, uh, that we have, uh, that, to see if they would like to perform an examination or gather any additional information. Um, and based on their 
their interaction with the medical examiner. They'll either contact the funeral home at that point or the individual will be taken into the care of uh, the medical examiner. Okay. Okay. Would you say typically at an older age, they'll come into our care versus yeah, the medical examiner? More and more deaths at, at, at this point are under hospice care than yeah. at any previous mm -hmm. point. And so I, I imagine that, that will continue to be the case. Mm -hmm. Hospice is a rapidly growing yeah. um, service. The that service. They, yeah. they are. They're wonderful, yeah. wonderful people. And so more and more uh, hospice is involved in the passing of the individual. But if not, then that's when the police will be contacted. Okay. Okay. What are some misconceptions? What are some misunderstandings people have about the process or what you guys do? or how it works yeah great great question I think <laughs> I think a lot of it's not necessarily misconceptions but just a fear of, of the unknown the anxiety that comes with what's next I haven't done this before um, and so I, I think first and foremost they, they need somebody that they can trust that's there to, to give them wise counsel on um, how one they can begin to heal and two, how they can celebrate and honor the, the life of their, lo their loved one, which is yeah. extremely important. But as far as misconceptions are concerned, I, I think, I don't know that there's any large misconceptions other than um, people just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And uh, I, I think one thing that's important is for people to understand that regardless of their, their wishes or their culture or their budget and their financial situation, uh, we're committed to helping them honor their life and care for their loved one and, and there's a, a wide spectrum of choices that can be made that can make sure that it fits the, the best circumstances for that family. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, so let's talk about what your friends or family would describe what you do for a living. What friends or family would, I think it depends which ones. <laughs> so I mean, you know, your kids say you do. Yeah. <laughs> That's a unique thing too. That's funny. Explain. I did ask my yeah. kids what they thought. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what you guys said. But, but it's also it's also neat because as I discussed earlier, um, it's it's neat to to see our kids. It's neat for me to see my kids get a reverence for um, for death at a young age. And I know that that sounds odd and a little bit peculiar, but it's kind of the the nature of what we do, and yeah. they they have to have that as a reality of life. I think. Um, the most common question I get from people, and it's probably the same for Brooke, is, is how do you do this every yeah. day? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Fair question. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it does, uh, there are days it gets heavy. I've, mm -hmm. I've had times where I've shut a door and, and you know, broken down and thought, I, I have nothing left to give. Yeah. But you find, you dig deep, and you, you find a way to put a brave face on, and, and you realize it's not your, this isn't my loss. Yeah. So it's selfish of me to act as if, is if this is my my loss our responsibility is to be there for the family and be a source of of strength to them and people will also ask you know do you, do you get desensitized to what to what you do and the answer is absolutely not if if you did then we'd stop being good at what we do you have to feel those emotions and remember how uh, how deep those feelings are and how raw those feelings are Granted, you get better at maybe transitioning emotionally. I can't go home and be be sad dad yeah. every night. Yeah. My kids, you know, want to wrestle or you know whatever we want to do, you yeah. know. And and so you need to, you do learn better how to transition emotionally. Be entirely there 
in that moment with the family and then go home and be entirely there in that moment with with your family so but but i think as far as explaining what we do hopefully they our friends and family would describe it as a service that we're uh, we're, we're there to to serve and help people and i think watching our our dad and our grandfather that certainly was what they were described as so hopefully we were the same way yeah. but. <laughs> So now I'm curious what your kids say that you do for a living. <laughs> well, I think I think people understand maybe a little bit more about what he does because mm -hmm. they, you know it's a funeral home. Yeah. They understand. Um, I think a lot of people aren't really familiar with pre-planning yeah. and yeah and the insurance portion to it and that sort of thing. So when I asked my kids what they thought I did, they thought I did kind of more like what what oh, you yeah. know the funeral home yeah. does um, and and when people ask how do you do this all the time, luckily for pre-planning, you know, it's not quite as heavy yeah. typically, um, but I do I do work out at our, our new cemetery too. So sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm with people yeah. more morning too, but yeah, uh, and you know, kids aren't always as um, tactful as you want no. them to be, yeah. so. No. <laughs> well, you, get, you get some interesting dynamics too. I, I remember when my, my daughter, she was probably four or five years old at the time, and she had a friend over, and they were playing, and you know, playing house. And yeah. my daughter's driving the car to the cemetery, and oh. I'm thinking, this is not normal right. for, yeah. for, yeah. for, right. most, yeah. for most kids. Right. But that's what they see in right. their environment. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but like he said, I think that uh, you know, my kids have learned, like, uh, you know, when I'm on a phone call, you need to be quiet. Like this could yeah. be. A, an important phone call because right. sometimes people if we've created a, a bond or whatever oh, they, yeah. they think they need to call me yeah um, and and I can you know yeah. help them in, in the process but yeah. um, you know and and you know there's times that I do take like I said those difficult phone calls yeah. and um, and it's important for them to know or even to just be able to communicate to them like I dealt with some hard stuff today, yeah. so I just want you to know that, like, right. So know, that's why you need a gallon of ice cream. That's why you can't talk. Yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah, Text the chocolate chip. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's a, you know, but I think because my kids are a little older than his, like, I can communicate yeah. those things to them. And, yeah, and they're creating, you know, that empathy for. Yeah, but that life can be difficult for people. Right. Right. And to treat everyone kindly because you just don't know. Oh, that's the truth. Yeah. You just don't know. Well, I, I've always, even from the time I was younger, had this, I mean, at, at any point in time, had this desire to try to be kind to people because I always think tomorrow that person could be sitting in our funeral yeah. home where they lost their mom and how little would I feel yeah. if I looked across and I had been impatient with them or honked at them the day before right. or yeah, right. I mean, even the yeah. smallest of things that that, mm -hmm. that at such a tender time you want to make sure that that you yeah. are treating people in a way that they say that's somebody that I would trust to care for somebody yeah. else. Yeah. yeah that's huge do yeah. you um did you have fear of dying growing around growing up around that much death or was it you more take that one? <laughs> yeah I, especially as a as a child oh, I really think I did yeah okay. yeah I yeah, I I definitely have experienced some just yeah. because it, I was I mean it's normal to, anyway right you guys were exposed right to it I was exposed to it yeah we 
we're all exposed to it. Yeah. I, I tend to run a little more on the anxious side anyway, so right. you know that's a little more <laughs> natural yeah. for me. Yeah. But yeah, I, I definitely. Because it is a reality too that this mm -hmm. could be the last time I say goodbye to someone. Right. You saw right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so. for me, certainly, and and it's not, it's not doesn't completely go away. Yeah, right. Um, we're we're involved with a number of tragic circumstances, mm -hmm. and it does change your perspective sometimes. It probably changes the way you parent a little bit. It changes the way mm -hmm. that you know you the decisions that you make because you're exposed to. And a lot of times the worst case scenario of, mm -hmm. of dangerous things or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do think it, it gives you a little added fear sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I think for, for me, one of the things that's important for people to understand is that a service, a funeral service, a memorial service, a celebration of life, um, a, I've had people call it, a party before mm -hmm. for the, the person that they love and, and whatever the vernacular views yeah. that's up to that family what's best for them but I think it's important for people to understand that those can look as different as the family wants them to that they can be ultra traditional what people are used to and they can be extremely untraditional and unique mm -hmm. and different and the the value of services come when they they're personal when they really reflect the life of that individual. So whether, if, if we're going to service, whether for the same individual, whether we know each other and have met or not, or interacted with that specific part of that person's life, we go and that service is so uniquely them that we leave feeling transformed and changed in some way. And so it doesn't always, for I think for the longest time, that funeral services were synonymous with religion, which is great and beautiful, and um, and that's that's a, a very very important and key for some people. But as a society, we're getting less religious than mm -hmm. ever, and so with that, and people getting less religious, sometimes they have opted to not have services because they don't fit within that traditional box. Okay. And and we want people to understand that 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 shouldn't always be the decision based on that because you still had a beautiful, unique life that we're honoring, we're commemorating, and it can be completely different. It doesn't have to have religious overtones, or it can, or it can be a combination of, of both and have some, some of those components and then some very more lighthearted components yeah. as well. Like there are no rules. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we, we tell people if, if the way that we guide them through making those decisions and encourage them, if, if you, if you had to picture what your loved one that we're honoring, if they were putting together an event to bring the people they love together, what would they want that to look like? What would they want people to eat? What would they want them to wear? What kind of music would they want to be played? What kind of um, what kind of format would that take on? And if you do that, the people that come will leave having a completely different experience. And so. We're really trying to champion people to change the way that we honor and celebrate and remember life and maybe be willing to think outside the box. And we're, we're confident as people begin to do that, they will remember uh, the, the healing and joy and experience that comes from um, creating that, that service for that individual. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Like seriously, I just want 
just hire a gospel choir and have a Dallas party. Like, yeah. <laughs> but but the thing is, people always say we we always have these yeah. these ideas in our mind of like what would be amazing if we were to yeah. But we rarely do it. Right. But right. if we started, mm-hmm. and and so you you have these significant significant events that we have in our lives, whether it's a birth or a graduation or a marriage, and these large events are created around these. Uh, these significant events but then we get to somebody passing and more and more we're saying we just won't do anything yeah and and it's pretty tragic in in my personal opinion because i think that that is one of the transformative events that we we have in our life and we should put something together for that individual that helps because the funerals are for the living not not necessarily for the the, for the dead i always say that the best the, you know, the highlight of death is when family comes together because yeah. truly people typically, you know, make an effort to come that's together. When, yeah. That's when you need yeah. each other most. Yeah. And that's when those relationships are are most most important and valuable yeah. is, when, is when hard things yeah. happen. So, um, and, and that's what, if you see our new facilities and things like that, the new funeral home that we built in, in Gilbert, it breaks pretty much every stereotype that you thought a funeral home can really? look like. Yeah. But it's um, beautiful. And it's it was created entirely with the experience in mind and it was crafted around what that experience can look like. So I think that's one thing that's really important for me to me that people understand is that funeral services don't have to fit in a box. Yeah. The only box they have to fit in is whatever the life of that person tells them it should it should look like. Yeah. I well and I've seen a shift and I I don't just, you know, in what I do is not nearly as exposed, but even to cremation and stuff like that, I'm mm-hmm. seeing a big shift where, mm-hmm. so they're not having these open caskets and visitation type of things, but it is, it is a little bit different. It is, and, and we're to the point in Maricopa County specifically, cremation's about 75%. So oh, no it's, kidding. A, it's a significant majority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we're not we're not as concerned with whether people choose burial or cremation yeah. as a, a, entirely a personal decision. That is not a right or wrong decision. It's personal. But we do hope that regardless of that that preference that people will still take the time to celebrate yeah. life yeah. and gather and get together because what we do see and and more research is showing it that as we get away from that there is more com- Compounding and unresolved grief, chronic grief that yeah. that carries longer than it traditionally has. Yeah, some closure, some yeah, closure, closure to it. Is really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. an opportunity to share memories mm-hmm. and, and joy memories and right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and and I I don't know if all funerals are that way or this way, but a lot of funerals that I go, there is a grieving, but there's also there is a joyous sure. part. There right. is a remember how funny they were and how Absolutely. you know. Yeah. Remember, yeah, you know, he always tried to slam the door when you come to visit her. You know, just the quirky yeah. things that that you love and remember. There, there's a closure there. Yeah. There's an important aspect, yeah. I think. Well, and every good funeral at some point, not not every, but but a lot of them at one point you'll laugh, at one point you'll cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think of any experience you've ever had in your life where in the same hour you've laughed and you cried. Yeah. Those are pretty meaningful, deep experiences. Mm-hmm. And so it's, to me, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate when, when each individual life is honored in some form or fashion. Yeah. And yeah. I, well, and I think part of that, and we're just so busy in our lives that, that we forget to take time to do that. And when you have a ceremony, 
you know, for people that I know, that day kind of becomes devoted to that person. And mm -hmm. I take time to remember or to grieve, mm -hmm. you know, but if you don't have that moment, I could go a year and not yeah. have that and it's just still there. In pre-planning, that's something that I remind people of a lot of times. Yeah. Is, just remember that this is not for you. This is for the people who love you. Yeah. And and that that's really important to yeah. that. And I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions, getting back to, to that question, is that people, and Brooke probably runs into this even more than, than anyone, but people think they're doing their family a favor when they say, don't do anything for me. Right. Just, yeah. just cremate me or just bury me in a pine box or whatever. Yeah. And I get that some of those things are a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. But, but it really isn't necessarily a service to your family. Mm -hmm. And it isn't necessarily yeah. doing yeah. them any favors. Because they, they love you. Mm -hmm. And they need that yeah. time to, to heal and adjust to a world without you. And there was some research done a while ago where people that said that, they asked them deeper. Do you really hope people do nothing for you and every single one of them said well I, I hope they'll do something yeah mm -hmm. uh, and again getting back to what that looks like that can be unique yeah but but please do something yeah yeah honor the legacy yeah. that, yeah. that was get, get people together go yeah whatever it is that's unique and, and it gives tribute to the life of that individual just yeah. Do, yeah. do something yeah I yeah. met with a lady recently who you know, she's all worried about the logistics of, you know, family and getting yeah. there. And, and I just said, you know, I want you to know as the granddaughter of a grandma who just passed away, you know, not too long ago, yeah. nothing could have been more important to me than yeah. to celebrate her life. So I want you to know your family wants to celebrate your life. Yeah. They don't, I don't, I don't know anyone that sees it as a burden. Right. It, it just isn't seen as a burden. I mean, mm -hmm. I, and I know that that is a thing with the aging. They don't want to be able to right. That's very right. important. We hear that all the time. Yeah, and but it, it's not to come to a funeral and to, to because you also find support there. Right. You find the support you need mm -hmm. there. Right. You know, and you don't feel we feel so alone and isolated in this world, and like we're the only ones feeling what we feel so right. too yes. often. Yeah. Too Which often. It's never the truth. No, it's never <laughs> the truth. <laughs> and and for, for most people, grandparents or parents or, or whatever it may be, they derive their most joy out of their family coming together. Yeah. So it's ironic that you know, you'd not want that to happen. Right. And, yeah. You know, when, when you pass, it's one of those last opportunities for those people to get together. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think most of us think it's a privilege to attend an end-of-life ceremony celebration whatever you want to call it it's a privilege Absolutely. to attend that and it's it's an opportunity to put everything down and just support the people who need the most support or to get support right need the support it's it's it brings community together right yeah. in a way that and it just can't it's a demonstration of love and yeah. respect and mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've, I've never felt it as a burden, and I've never, I've never, oh, dang it, I have to go to a funeral. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, right, yeah. I don't hear that. You sure? Right. <laughs> I don't hear that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you see as the greatest need for the aging population, and as a baby boomer's age, or their children as they support mm -hmm. them? Really just being prepared. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like I've mentioned before, it's not something that most of us want to think about or talk about, but... Said it's an, it's inevitable and and really I think there's a huge burden that's lifted. I've had several people tell me I've slept so much better since yeah. I got this taken care of. 
Um, so, or, you know, it's her, you know, pushing away their chair to leave. It's like, oh, I feel so much better now. So, um, really just being willing to have those conversations as a family and, and being willing to take the step to plan. Yeah. To not, yeah. A lot of times it's just making that phone call, just, you know, just doing it. Just initiating it. Yeah. Just initiating it. Yeah. And to have that talk. Yeah. If mom and dad want to have it to not be reluctant, right? You need to have it to right. be for you to right. have it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay, Bryce, what do you think? What do you think is the greatest need? I, I think, I mean, on a general level, so we have parents that are 68 years old. I'm not sure if I should say that or not. <laughs> parents that are 68 years old, and then a father in law who's 86. So it's so quite a, oh, yeah. quite a, in that aging yeah. dynamic, quite a, a range there. And one of the things that I've noticed, especially in, in my, my father-in-law's case, is that, that people as they age need people that they trust to provide them with information that's, that's valuable. There is, I am continually amazed at the level of information or the volume of information uh, that targets this aging demographic, yes. both no, positive and yeah. negative, yeah. and some that, that seek to to take advantage downright predatory or, right yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's and and i've seen family members be, be victim to that it makes you absolutely sick yeah. so i think access to, to people that they trust with information that's valuable and easy for them to digest in the format that they need it to be to kind of cut through some of that that noise is specifically as it relates to to what we do um we have great tools that really simplify that process. Um, we have what we call a final wishes organizer. We have a final wishes organizer that's specific to, to veterans, what we call our Veterans Memorial Program, um, that makes sure we collect all of that information so everything's in place. And so, again, I think just simple tools that allow them to put information and gather information together that can help them make informed decisions. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, I think of all the stuff that gets thrown at me and sorting it through, you yeah, know. Yeah. Sure. But mm-hmm. they're they're more vulnerable. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why there's all these laws in Arizona about vulnerable adults. Sure. There's just so yeah, much information. There needs, yeah, there there needs to be. Unfortunately, those yeah. those are birthed out of out of need after yeah, something bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure we've all seen some stuff that, yeah, we're glad it's out there, but unfortunately there's a need. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's easy to be confused. And, and now so much of our information is virtual. Yeah. And so they don't have access to it either right. Right. because it's all so virtual, mm-hmm. you know. And I think I, I, they're a more trusting generation by nature. Yeah. We, we we may be a little bit more skeptical yeah, because right. we have yeah. had access to more information right. and the internet source. and things right. like yeah. that. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and they're more trusting, which is mm-hmm. endearing and, and yeah. beautiful that they are trusting, but also can be dangerous too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right.